From the Game Nashville studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet, it's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. It's a special Memorial Day weekend edition of the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis of NashvillePredators.com here with you for episode 36 as we get set to head into the holiday weekend. Thomas, you got your burgers, your dogs, your strawberry salad ready to go? The only kind of salad I like to eat. (laughs) Strawberry salad, complete with cream cheese filling. And pretzels. And pretzels. (laughs) Not a leafy green insight. No. I I love that you're calling this episode special (laughs) just because. Well, we've been over this before. (laughs) Every episode is special. Sure. We've ca- I've called things special before. Right. Like I mean, we're all special. This one is wow. Agree <laughs> <laughs> to disagree on that one. That's for a future episode. Um, this one is a bit special in the sense that we have a special guest, a live studio audience for yeah. the first ever edition of the Preds Official Podcast. Intern Nicholas. Gibson well, this isn't the first the ever edition of the Preds. Official the first Podcast. ever live audience edition. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I mean, Josh kind of is like a fan every week. Like he has to contain himself just to produce the show. He's so pumped about it, yeah. but. Other than that, this is the first time that's ever occurred. Yeah. Intern Nicholas, sweet Nicholas Gibson in the house. And he's in for a jam-packed show. Really excited about our guest this week. TSN Hockey Insider and Senior NHL Columnist for The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun, will join us shortly to talk all things Preds and the rest of the NHL landscape as we get closer and closer to the draft and the start of free agency. An update on the Nashville Predators at the IIHF World Championship. Stanley Cup final has been set. We'll touch on that and other happenings around the league. And, of course, your Twitter questions as always. And we'll give away our Ryan Ellis bobblehead from the last episode. We will announce that winner coming up here shortly. So as we record this on Thursday afternoon, the quarterfinals of the World Championship have just literally just wrapped up. As we walked into the studio, Finland beat Sweden. Matthias Ekholm and the Swedes, they are finished. Earlier in the day, Kyle Turris, Dante Fabro, and Team Canada with a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> One of the most improbable finishes ever. Tie the game with .3 seconds left. It was Damon Severson, whose Crazy. shot went through a myriad of bodies, mm-hmm. found its way over the line, and then Mark Stone wins it in overtime. So that was against the Swiss. So Roman Yossi, Yannick Weber, they're done. So Kyle Turris, Dante Fabro are Nashville's last hope, at least as members of the Predators, to bring home a medal at the World Championships. But it's been a great tournament uh, for all the Preds involved. Sweden was looking for the three-peat, their third championship in a row. Akholm, Forsberg, and Arvidsson were members of that championship team just last year. Um, That, of course, will not be the case, so we'll see a new champion crowned, at least when it comes to the last couple years. And Fabro and Turris have really showed up for Canada in the last several games, um, beating the United States to be able to advance um, and looked good in that game. And Kyle Turris piling up the points. We had a bit of an injury scare with Dante Fabro. He took a, I guess, a stick and then a puck to the face to and face, yeah. had to get stitches and all that sort of thing. But he's back and looking good. And I just think when you're at his age and at this part in your career, even though the international ice, I think, is always going to be an asterisk on things, just the experience to be able to you know play in games that matter at least somewhat, I think that only helps him at this part in his life. 
Absolutely. He assisted on Canada's first goal in the quarterfinal win over the Swiss. So good for Dante to get on the board there. You mentioned Kyle Turris, of course, captain in Canada, three goals and nine points, as well as a plus nine rating. To this point in the tournament, Roman Yossi finished with one goal and six points, a helper for Yannick Weber and Matthias Ekholm with two assists as the tournament concludes for Sweden. But like you said, really good. I think especially for a guy like Dante Fabro at this point in his career, he got his 10 NHL games of experience in over here, but now to play on a bit of an all-star team, it's it's not quite what maybe an Olympic or, or an, another international competition would be, but you're still going up against some of the world's best players mm-hmm. in a stage like this at a tournament like this, really good for his development. So good to see him getting some time there and, and playing a, a key part in the success that Canada has found so far and good for Kyle Turris as well. Yeah. And I think there's been questions about that even throughout the week looking at, you know, Hey, what does this success mean for Kyle Turris? And I think at the very least, it's a bit of a reminder of just the fine tuned skills that he has. I mean, he does have a great shot. He does have the ability to pass the puck very well. And I think on the critical side, you're seeing that on the international size ice, you get just a little bit more time. And then there have been some games where the competition is not as stiff as it is in the NHL. And I think you could use that as a reason to explain why he's had more success. But then on the positive front, I think that you could say that, again, he's still a talented player. He did look a little bit better as the season concluded and as he came back from that second injury. So maybe we're seeing more of the Kyle Terrace that we've seen for close to 10 years in the NHL. I mean, there's no doubt that as critical as you want to be of him, the last 18 months or so of his career have been the lowest point. So he's put up a body of work that truly is impressive so far. So seeing him to return to form for whatever team, um, in this case it's Canada, and could it be the Preds in the fall? I think absolutely it could be. I don't think that's that surprising. So, yeah, to see Canada, they probably are the best team in the tournament, looks like that to me. Um, The U.S. thought that they were very, very good. Um, They lost to Canada in that final tune-up play, if you will. And then, as you mentioned, so... Five Preds, all five Preds went on to the quarterfinals. And then with Canada beating the Swiss, you see Weber and Yossi go home. And then, as you just mentioned, Ekholm just moments ago seeing his game with Sweden end. So Fabro and Turris, the lone hopes for the Preds, at least when it comes to a, a world championship. Yeah, so the semifinals are on Saturday, and then the medal games will come on Sunday. So the next time we speak to you, perhaps Dante and Kyle will have a medal to their name. That is a small portion of the hockey that is still being played. Of course, the Stanley Cup final has also been set now. We know it will be the Boston Bruins in the East after they sweep the Carolina Hurricanes. The St. Louis Blues get it done (laughs) on home ice against the San Jose Sharks in Game 6. Am I allowed to say that I low-key love Gloria, the song, their victory song? You're allowed to. It's not really that surprising (laughs) that you would say something like that. I mean, who's, of course, well... We sh- that's no it's fair it's probably you p- could probably surmise i would enjoy an 80s hit. exactly that's what i mean we should make <laughs> you listen to that station that apparently aired it for 24 consecutive 24/7. hours that might you know slow down your roll a little bit I'm, uh, i'll be curious to see how boston adjusts right because they've been yeah. off they're going to be off for 10 or 11 days the final mm-hmm. doesn't start till memorial day on monday mm-hmm. monday night in boston which sidebar i don't know why you don't play that game one on saturday game two on monday but eh. <laughs> sorry gary i mean <laughs> that's a whole another topic um, yeah, so it's a rematch, of course, of when the Blues reached the Stanley Cup Final for the last time 49 years ago. Yeah. And I was saying to you, effectively, that does not count. Sorry, Terry Chris, but I was going to say Terry Chris played on the He those was teams. playing for the St. Louis Blues the last time they made the Stanley Cup Final. So the Blues have never won a Stanley Cup Final game. And the reason for that is 
they had structured the playoffs at that point. This is just when the expansion uh, had really just happened. You know, that you know, I think it was 67, right? Um, where you really had the NHL expand, almost double in size. And so they had made the playoff structure so that the expansion group of teams played each other and then got to represent as the finalists of the Stanley Cup final. And then they played a more standard, original six standard team. So it was not east-west like you're talking about. So, unfortunately, because of that, the Blues were just good enough to reach the, what I'll use in air quotes, Stanley Cup final, and then just get blitzed by whoever played them. So, the the famous photo that we've all seen of Bobby Orr looking like Superman flying through the air is actually the cup-winning goal to sweep the Stanley, uh, the, the uh, St. Louis Blues, rather. And that's where actually Terry Crisp had just left the ice. I was, Pete, yep. I was going to say Crispy had just stepped off, I believe. Voice of the Predators, Pete Weber, always likes to say just a few seconds earlier. And, you know, maybe his ginger head, Terry Crisp's uh, head, could have been immortalized in that frame. That would so, have been amazing. Not, I, not for him in the time, but right, <laughs> for right. history's sake. But, I, I mean, and this is why sports and then specifically the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs, are success is so fleeting. 49 years just to get back let, mm-hmm. let alone win a single game just to get back and who would have thought that this was the year for the blues when on january 1st you're sitting in last place and i i'm, I'm gonna say this is a joke because i don't think he's a very good coach but man mike yo he's got to be the most downtrodden guy in the world right now to know that he had every single piece available to make a stanley cup final team he gets let go, and then you see Craig Berube come in, and that's when the turnaround began. They didn't have a deadline acquisition. They didn't have a big shakeup. It looked like, if anything, they were going to sell, and yet they have marched their way to the Stanley Cup final. If I may toot my horn for a second, which I will because this is my podcast, well, yours as well, <laughs> you and I have done a much better job of actually predicting these series winners outside of the first round when all the upsets happened. Yeah. So I think two weeks yeah. ago, I sat here and said that I thought it would be the Blues and the Bruins, so we at least got that right. Um, and I think we were pretty good on the second round. It was the first round where I only got like 35%, 30, 30%, 40% of the picks right. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I, to do, I mean, Jordan Bennington's been fantastic yeah. for them ever since he came in for the Blues, and then Tuka Rask is probably playing arguably, I think, some of the best hockey he's ever played in his entire career right now. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you really need in the playoffs. If you're going to make it to this point, you're not getting there without hot goaltending, and Tuka has certainly been that. Yeah, and both teams have remained relatively healthy as well. That That's always a factor, and, and you've seen that they've had the killer instinct. So the Blues have played a lot of series so far where they they trailed to the Dallas Stars or they went into some pivotal game fives, went into San Jose and just blasted the Sharks and then were able to wrap it up. Of course, we know the double overtime winner in game seven of round two for them. And even the Bruins, who they've had a little bit of an easier path, they still went to game seven in the first round. They had to battle back, same thing, go to Toronto and win game six and then take it in Game 7. So um, will the Bruins' experience and the fact that they won a cup roughly eight years ago with a lot of this same group, I'll be interested to see if they do. Um, I really haven't made up my mind on who I think wins that series right now. It is it is hard to pick against the Blues right now, but gosh, I think I might lean the Bruins for now. But you're right, we'll see. Uh, studies have shown, I mean, series after series after series, that Game 1 winner, even in the Stanley Cup Final, I mean, it's shocking. You have a 60-65% chance of winning it all just when you get that first matchup. Game one, Blues and Bruins on Monday night, and then we go from there in the Stanley Cup final. 
Ottawa Senators named DJ Smith their head coach, so that's one more head coaching vacancy that has been filled. And the Islanders signed Brock Nelson to a six-year deal. A couple of NHL news and notes there as we conclude. Segment one coming up, a guy who's just about as plugged in as anyone in the NHL. We'll touch on Preds and more around the league with NHL insider Pierre Lebrun. That's coming up next on the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on your favorite podcast service. We are back for segment two. That is the Brass Bonanza from the Hartford Whalers. <laughs> Somewhere in the world, voice of Predators Pete Weber, just like his car swerved across the side of the road and his radio <laughs> automatically turned on to tune in for this very segment. Well, and not only does Pete Weber enjoy that, that was a special request from our next guest. Joining us now, TSN Hockey Insider and Senior NHL Columnist for the Athletic, Pierre Lebrun on the line. Pierre, thanks so much for doing this. You, you got you to love the horns in there, right? Oh, I love it. It used to be my ringtone on my phone. Any <laughs> NHL writers will tell you we'd be in the middle of deadline in a press box or a media <laughs> center, and the brass bonanza would uh, would ring on my phone and annoy everyone around me, which is partly why I had it. No, I, <laughs> but I miss the Whalers, you know. I grew up an Adams Division boy. I grew up, uh, uh, you know, a Montreal Canadiens guy, and I loved watching games involving the Hartford Whalers. It's, uh, it's too bad they're not around anymore, but Hard to argue with what they've become. What a story in Carolina this year. Pretty pretty fantastic. Oh, absolutely. you got to love the storm surge. And when well, I think one reason we wanted to have you on, and it certainly caught our attention earlier in the week, is you spoke to Predators general manager David Poyle, who's been a guest on the program as well. Just heading into the offseason, uh, had an article posted for The Athletic titled, Predators GM David Poyle won't sit on his hands this offseason. Just your thoughts on the, on the discussion with the Nashville GM, kind of where mm-hmm. his head is right now heading into the summer in these next uh, couple of months leading up to the draft and free agency. Yeah, certainly I, I think his mindset's in a different place than it was a year ago when we had uh, the same type of chats or in the same type, uh, you know, after his season had ended. And I think a year ago uh, he looked at his roster and felt, let's just take another kick at the can with the same group essentially, which is what he did. And I think now it's clear that he feels like he needs to make some changes, some of them because he wants to, others because he won't have a choice with the salary cap. Um, But let's start with one before the other. I mean, I think it's clear that with a 31st-ranked power play that, you know, adding an ingredient up front, if not more than one ingredient, uh, is going to be a priority for David Poyle in terms of secondary scoring at the very least. Um, And when it comes to the salary cap, you know, once – if and when he signs Captain Roman Yossi's an extension, which I would think shouldn't be an issue. I think there's a real mutual desire to get that done this summer. Can't sign officially until July 1st, but, you know, David Poyle should know in, in the days leading up to July 1st where that stands. That'll help him really understand how the, you know, the, the, the salary cap landscape looks for him as far as the rest of the offseason, you know. So really the, the Yossi negotiations, loom large on, on in many different ways um, as far as how the rest of the offseason plays out. But, you know, I, I really do think that we know that David Poyle has been bold in the past, and I just got that vibe from him again that he's willing to be quite aggressive. Now, again, this isn't about blowing up the current roster. There's no interest in that. This is a very good team. But I think the idea of making two or three 
impactful changes, I, I think, is, is the order of the day here. And easier said than done, but I think that's what David Poyle and the rest of his front office staff are rolling up their sleeves to look at here. I'll just ask for you to expound on a bit of that answer you were just giving. So if Roman Yossi you know, signs the extension soon, which we saw a similar pattern with Ryan Ellis just this last offseason, we, went, we walked through that path. How much does that framework of knowing what he'll be paid, so your expectation and maybe prediction on that, how does that impact then free agency or trades or other things that need to be made? Because for me, sometimes I, <laughs> I'm saying this facetiously, but it feels like even if Matt Duchesne signs a seven- or eight-year deal somewhere, Matt Duchesne and the Preds are still going to be linked. Like It feels like they're always intertwined on that this guy is going to end up with right. the Preds. Yeah, so again, I say that jokingly, but how much does that Yossi deal then impact what Poyle would be? would or would not be able to do in free agency? No, I think, I think that's fair. And I think it does impact it. And listen, I, you know, we, I think everyone's talked about Matt Duchesne a lot, but it is based in some fact. I mean, Matt Duchesne, my understanding is Nashville would be on his list of teams. Um, you know, he, we know that he owns an investment property, uh, you know, in Nashville, which, you know, doesn't mean he has to play there. He can still own it and play elsewhere, but he does own that. Um, you know, this sounds like a silly thing to bring up, but I brought it up in my column anyway, just as an aside, but he is a huge country music fan and not everyone is. And, uh, what better place to live obviously than in the Mecca. Uh, but again, that's, that's a very minor thing compared to the, the, you know, the career decision that Matt Duchesne going to make here. And, you know, I, I think he enjoyed Columbus a lot during mm-hmm. the stretch run. So I think he's going to give the Blue Jackets a fair shot as well, but, I think Duchesne will hit the market, uh, and I'd be surprised if the Predators weren't in the mix, but they need room. And that's where it gets interesting to me, is if they think they can land Duchesne, then, you know, do you make another trade where you may be not getting a lot of value back, but you're certainly creating cap room, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I'll just throw some names out there, but if you were trading a Nick Benino, a Nick Benino for an example, you're probably not getting full value on the dollar because, you know, it wasn't a great year for him, but if you're able to move him, you're able to move him. That's 4.9 off the cap. So I think you really have to sort of expand your mind when you're trying to look at all the moving parts here and know that there's more than one way to get something done, and they're not all in traditional deals. Um, and certainly when it comes to Yossi, I mean, it'll be fascinating negotiation because, you know, the Predators tend to always get their guys to take a bit less to stay, and, you know, those guys don't even get no trade clauses on top of it really kind of an amazing facet of the culture David Boyle has built there in, in, in your town. Um, you know, I, you know, what's the market for Roman Yossi? Well, you got Victor Hedman that's at 7.8 million. Uh, you know, he's won a Norris trophy. Roman Yossi has not but Roman Yossi has been in the mixed lots. Uh, you know, Drew Doughty's at the top end at 11 million. You got Brett Burns at 8 million. Some deals were signed a few years ago. Some are more recent. I mean, basically, you got to look at it as anywhere from I would think seven and a half to nine million is is basically on a long-term deal is probably where it's at. And you know, we know one side would look at one side of that gap, and the other side would look at the other. But you know, we'll see how it works out. And it's, it's interesting too. Roman Yossi changed representation this year. And he and he uh, he joined uh, Judd Moldo, Judd Moldaver, and Jeff Jackson, which is the pair of agents that uh, represents Austin Matthews, uh, uh, among others. 
We're talking with TSN Hockey Insider and Senior NHL Columnist for The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun. You can follow him on Twitter at Pierre V. Lebrun. Uh, perhaps this is an obvious question or an obvious answer, but it's almost, I guess, kind of a perfect storm with the way the dates line up with the draft coming up and then free agency and then a potential Roman Yossi contract. So, of course, on July 1, the Predators could potentially sign a free agent like a Matt Duchesne, but you can't begin negotiating with a Roman Yossi until July 1. Do you feel like that negotiation with potentially with Yossi would have anything to do with free agency, or do you feel like the Predators if they felt like they had a good shot at Duchesne, would have to make a trade before that July 1 deadline? Any, how do you see that playing out just as far as how the calendar worked with the NHL dates there? Well, to be fair, you're allowed to negotiate with Roman Yossi before July 1. You just sure. can't sign him before July 1. So I got to think that by the time, you know, by late June, I think that the Predators should have at least an idea of how things are going with Roman Yossi and the ballpark of what it's going to take to sign him, you know. Um, so that's important to note because it's, you know, if they have that kind of idea, by the time they get to the draft in Vancouver, it'll perhaps expedite some things they can do. To be honest, if you're talking about cap, uh, cap clearing, clearing trade, they could probably go ahead and focus on that at any time and not worry about the OC situation or anything else on July 1st, because I think they're going to need cap room either way. Right. So mm. you might as well get one done before everything else, in my mind. Um, you know, as far as Matt Duchesne or any other UFA from another organization, uh, as of uh, midnight Eastern on June 23rd, so uh, the night of the second day of the NHL draft ending, that's when uh, the UFA speaking period opens. Um, so at that point, and let's just make it Sunday the 23rd, um, or, yeah, Sunday the 23rd, uh, the Predators are allowed to reach out to Matt Duchesne's representation or any other UFA's, UFA camp. So so you've got a good, real healthy window in late June to do some late work on some of these UFA's way before you get to July 1st. And that's why when July 1st, the July 1st market opens, you see so many signings announced, you know, in the next, in the first couple of hours because a lot of the groundwork was uh, was already laid. Pierre, we're on the cusp of the 2019 Stanley Cup final between the Blues and the Bruins. We know that now. And and for all the teams who will not, you know, hold the trophy aloft um, after this year, what what do you think the lesson is that's been learned? I feel like in years past it's the game's getting faster or there's been a move away from bigger players to maybe smaller, more skilled players. Is there something that you could put your finger on that these playoffs and this season ha- has taught all the yeah. other teams? I mean, I feel like there's a bit of a danger in reading too much into this year because it's been such a bizarre mm-hmm. playoff. Yeah. But yeah. It, it feels like a one-off to me. But having said that, you know, there are a couple things. One is that uh, the Stanley Cup final matchup happens to feature two teams that, yes, have the speed and skill of the modern-day NHL, but also have a bit of throwback in them. These are two really heavy teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Blues ran the Sharks through the boards in the Western Conference final. And it really, it, you know, it, it, the Sharks paid a price for it. They were really beat up by the end of that series. And similarly, the Bruins forecheck incredibly physical uh, against Carolina. And, and I would say even beyond that, in the second round against Columbus, where I thought the Blue Jackets' physicality would be an issue for Boston, the Bruins put it right back in their face. So it, it's interesting that for all this talk, and it's legitimate talk, that the game's all about speed and skill, which it mostly is, 
we do have two teams in the cup final that like to play a little smash mouth, smash mouth as well, which is uh, a, a bit of the Western Conference hockey from seven, eight, nine years ago <laughs> that we were used to seeing. So I don't know if other teams are going to read into that. Maybe they just chalk it up to that's just how the Blues and Bruins, uh, the Blues and the Bruins are, are, are made up and that's how they win and it doesn't affect us. Or, you know, last year the Washington Capitals were a pretty heavy team too mm-hmm. from Tom Wilson on down. I mean, Alex Ovechkin, Tom Wilson, their bottom six guys, that was a pretty physical Washington Capitals team uh, as well. So, you know, we're going to have a pretty physical Stanley Cup champion two years in a row for what it's worth. Um the other trend, if, if, if it's even one, I don't know if it is, but, you know, the Blues and, and, and the Bruins don't have any players making more than $7.5 million. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got a league now where, uh, where the, the list of players making double digits is starting to grow, and that's just how it is. I mean, the, the marketplace keeps shifting. But, you know, the Blues and the Bruins, who still spend to the cap, of course, they're both big market teams, especially the Bruins, but they, but what they've done is they spread the cap money around more to have more debt. And so, you know, is that a, again, is that just the Blues and the Bruins locked up their core a couple of years ago before the marketplace shifted and so good for them, they got lucky that way? Or is there something to read into that as a couple of other GMs uh, were discussing with me recently? So something else to sort of retain. Well, Pierre, we know the weeks and months ahead will certainly be fascinating as always, and you're very busy covering all of it, so we certainly appreciate the time, and uh, long live the Brass Bonanza. (laughs) All right, Brooks and Thomas, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Pierre. Thanks for doing it. Up next, we'll continue the discussion on Roman Yossi, free agency, and the Stanley Cup playoffs right here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Fred's official podcast on ESPN 1025, the game rolling right along here. I'm Thomas Willis, seated next to Brooks Bratton, both of us of NashvillePredators.com, Josh Upton producing, a special guest intentionally not given a microphone, Nicholas Gibson in the corner. <laughs> if you're wondering why you haven't heard his voice yet, there's a reason for that. Nobody puts baby in the corner, but we put Nicholas in the corner. <laughs> Is Nicholas a baby? We'll discuss it later on in the show. Um, really interesting conversation with Pierre Lebron in our previous segment. Um, I brought up a lot of good topics. I think it is worth discussing a little bit further here and just the framing of what the Roman Yossi, what that new contract will be really impacts where general manager David Poyle goes from here. Like I mentioned, even in the interview, we just walked through that process with Ryan Ellis last year and and the factors would just be because it is re-signing, it can be a maximum of eight years when the CBA has changed, and now if you're signing a free agent, it can only be seven if you're you know moving teams. Um, but you get the hometown edition of the eighth year. And, and I think he's the number he threw out is about where I would be, somewhere in the high seven to the low nine. Um, and again, you could argue that that is something of a discount on the open market. But again, the positive is you don't ever want Roman Yossi to get to the open market. That's why you're going to re-sign him. And just to see year after year how high he is in defenseman scoring, that always blows me away. You don't really realize just how he chips away with those 50-point seasons. Um, and I would say, again, he's one of, if not the most integral part of this team. So I think signing him long-term makes a lot of sense. Well, it's almost one of those situations, too, when you have star players like that on your roster. Not that you take it for granted, but when you see it night after night, 
you maybe don't appreciate it as much. But I, I think, and, and Roman is able to make plays that not a lot of guys are able to make. And just the other day in the World Championships, mm-hmm. he had a spinning, a bit of a spinorama, spinorocco, if you will, in the slot. Well, that doesn't um, make any sense. That is <laughs> spinoroman, maybe? Spinoroman, sure. <laughs> Uh, in the slot that ended up uh, going into the net for Switzerland eventually. But uh, just the plays that he's able to make, of course, he's the captain of the team. He himself stated, of course, he doesn't want to go anywhere. David mm-hmm. Poyle said at the end of the year, that is one of, if not our top priority this summer, to re-sign the captain, Roman Yossi. So again, probably more of a, a similar situation to Orion Ellis. If you can get those negotiations going, you'd certainly prefer to have that done before the season starts because if you go into the season and that, issue is still looming all of a sudden the hockey starts being played and maybe it's not as top of mind Mm -hmm. as it would be during the summer so I think both parties that's certainly a priority uh, in the next few months to try to get something done and as we said obviously some mutual interest there in uh, keeping Roman here in Nashville for a very long time I would think if you could do an eight for eight a Ryan Johansson deal I think you'd probably take it because it's likely going to look better as the years go by Um, Roman Yossi's 28 29 around in there and again also mirroring Ryan Ellis, he's getting married in the month of July as well. So, again, sign a new contract, get married. That worked for Ryan Ellis. Yeah. We'll see if it works for, for Roman Yossi. Uh, and, again, you do have the factors in Nashville with the no-state income tax. Shout out to that. Um, and just the other factors <laughs> Tennessee. There. Tennessee. Um, so we'll see how that impacts, like Pierre alluded to, kind of that hometown discount. So, And then we'll see how that frames it because now you know for the next seven, eight years – at however much that then impacts what you immediately do. So big to sounds like according to Pierre that maybe you could work out that at least in theory, if not actuality, before July first even happens. So then you know what you need to be doing on the draft weekend, for example. For sure. And and that's something too that we touched on in that interview that I'll be really curious to see is how that all comes together just with the way the NHL calendar works out and when you can and can't do things and start doing other mm-hmm. things. We've talked about it on the show before. David Poyle is nothing if not a planner. He's not only got the next week, the next month planned out, he's got three-year, five-year, ten-year plans perhaps even back in, in the cupboard at Bridgestone Arena, but that's certainly something that this club is focusing on. Do we need to make a deal before the draft? What are we planning on doing going into free agency? How does Romagnosi factor into all of this? That'll be really fascinating for me to see in the next month or two as to how all of those play out and how all those different pieces come together. It's probably one of the more, I would argue, one of the more fascinating off-seasons since you and I have been here Mm -hmm. in the last five years, or at least shaping up to have the potential to do that. And David Poyle even told Pierre Lebrun in that interview that he had on The Athletic a week ago, I'm not going to make a change just for the sake of making it. Yeah. But I'm also not sitting here and doing nothing and just, either. I'm yeah. certainly taking oh, a look to see. Oh, it itself. No. You yeah, I'm be take, proactive. Exactly. I'm taking a look to see what's out there, and if something makes sense, he'll do it. And we know David Poyle's not afraid to do things. We've seen it time and time again in the last few seasons. He's certainly more than willing to make the big deal if it's there. I, I would say three quick things to wrap this up, and that would be one – don't be worried about the fact that Ryan Ellis did not have his best season seemingly on the ice after he signed his long-term deal. I just I see him bouncing back from that. And I think Roman Yossi's body of work across his career shows that he deserves, you know, what whatever raise he's about to get. Uh, secondly, I, I would say that this is very much boiling down and making and oversimplifying an issue. But Roman Yossi is one of the few players in the NHL and especially on the Predators that can just take over a game. They can just take over a play. How many times have you seen him? You can just see it like his mindset changes and he thinks to himself, 
I'm going to cut through the neutral zone. I'm going to get all the way to the net. I'm going to see what I can do with this. Yeah. He's that talented. I'm at least going to take it right now yeah. by myself, get us into the zone, and try to get a scoring chance. As Again, as a baseline GM, I want to acquire as many of those players as I can get. Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, sometimes Ryan Johansson, those are the other examples on the Preds. That may be about it, but Roman Yossi can do it from the back end. And I even if you want to go back to two years ago, the run of the Stanley Cup final, I mean, wow, he, he did that several times. Would go all the way around the zone by himself, dish it off to a guy he would score or take it himself. And he just, the fact that he can continue to do that year over year over year, you mentioned earlier in the segment, again, I know the competition's less, but just did it in the world championships as well. That's the kind of guy I want to be able to have in my corner and count on for years to come. So, again, we'll, we'll see where that goes. And I've forgotten my third thing. I was going to say that was two, I think. But it was. It's, it's but okay. You knew that was going to happen. <laughs> let me ask you to respond. Your intentions were good. Yeah, you know, let me ask you to respond. I'll think of it as we begin this next uh, topic. What do you think about what Pierre had to say about the lessons maybe learned or not learned from from the Stanley Cup playoffs in this season? I, I, I think we talked about this a couple shows ago, looking at the Blues and the Bruins. I think the Sharks were still in it at that point. And I, I made the comment of, I'm almost encouraged by the fact, if I'm a Predators fan, in that, the Predators aren't way off from these teams that were finalists. I'm not thinking, well, those those three teams had an element that the Predators have nowhere close to having. It seems like they're kind of similar in their makeup. What do, what do you make of that, and how does that impact the Preds offseason? Yeah, I, I don't know that things have really, and you, I loved your question because you you're completely right. I mean, the Stanley Cup champion 10 to 15 years ago, remember when Anaheim won it? Was it back in 07? And they had they mm-hmm. had a lot of big bodies, mm-hmm. and they were mucking and grinding, and they they check you into tomorrow, and everybody was like, "We've got to get bigger. We've got to have bigger bodies. We've got to play a hard physical game." And then all of a sudden, teams started winning. They were smaller teams, they were faster teams, more skilled teams, and it's just the way that the game goes in general. You even heard Tommy Nolan mention it last week mm-hmm. about just the way that the today's successful player in the National Hockey League is a maybe a little bit smaller, a, a speed guy, a skill guy. And so, yeah, I, I agree with Pierre that I, I think there's just been so much of an anomaly this this postseason. I mean, every single division winner was out in the first round. Mm-hmm. So many different things have happened that I don't I don't know that you can take something from this playoffs and say, you know, nothing to take away from the Bruins and the Blues because they, they've both had a fantastic run. They're both very good teams, of course. But I would agree with you that I don't know that there's anything that stands out to me that says, oh, yes, the Bruins have this or the Blues have this. Yeah, and the Predators don't have it, or nobody else has it. I, I don't, I don't know that there's anything there. I think the really good teams in the National Hockey League are really good because they're built similarly to today's top style of play, if you want to call it that, which is more of an offensive speed and skill type game, or at least teams that are capable of playing like that. Well, quickly, I remember what the third thing was, Josh. I don't know oh, if you have good. a drop for this or something like that. It was more of a clarifying point. I was just going to say a reminder that Roman Yossi is signed through the 2019-20 season. This yes. is an additional contract that would come. So don't be sitting here, oh, they don't re-sign Roman Yossi by July 1st. He's not playing for the Preds. That's Ooh. that's not the case. Ooh. Not the case. Um, <laughs> but that, that was the clarifying thing there. And, and I would agree with you. And I actually had an interesting thought the other day of, Pat Maroon, watching him be physical and strong and what he's added to the Blues. I think that's what you wanted Wayne Simmons to be, and that's why you made that acquisition. It it did not work out in the Preds' favor, but I even see the logic there from David Poyle of thinking that was how he needed to upgrade his roster. As we know, that that story did not play out the way that he quite expected it to. We're going to go ahead and get into our Twitter questions in the last couple of minutes and then spill that over into segment four because we got a plethora of them this episode. 
and and sending it out good on you, Smashville. I only yeah. sent it out late and well, not late, later than I usually <laughs> would in the day. And you were still like, "Yes, I have questions." Use hashtag Preds Podcast. That's how we see them and get your questions into the show. Christopher wants to know what's the difference between Kyle Turris and Kyle Turris at the World Championships. Well, and we touched on it in the first segment, but I think it is a thing. And you heard him mention it uh, during locker room cleanout day that yes, he was frustrated by this past season. He had some injuries. He lost his confidence for a bit. And he was simply looking forward to starting fresh this summer and wiping the slate clean. And I think going to the world championship was probably the best thing that he could have done. And then to be named captain by Elaine Vigneault and company Mm -hmm. with Team Canada on top of that, I think has been huge for Kyle. And I don't, I mean, this is, I, I think the way that what he's been able to do over there, not only just to continue playing hockey, but find some confidence. He scored a couple goals, put up some points to captain a team uh, on an international platform like this, I think has been great for Kyle. And I, I think, Christopher, to answer your question, I I really do think a lot of it is a matter of coming out of a slump. I mean, he's we know that he can play hockey, right? Like someone like Kyle Church doesn't just forget how to play hockey all mm-hmm. of a sudden. We know that he's capable of playing well. And he said it himself, he lost his confidence over the course of the season. And whether that was injuries or other factors, I think what's happening with him right now is is the best thing that can happen for Kyle at at this juncture. Yeah, I'm just not ready to give up on statistical significance and the body of work that he's put together so far. My example would be this. In 2013-14, Craig Smith scored 20 goals. Then he did it again the next season. Then he did it again the next season. And then in 16-17, he only scored 12 in 78 games. And you should have seen the naysayers. Oh, Oh, everybody was like, what's wrong with Craig Smith? It's over. Get rid of him. Why did he sign that new contract? What a joke. What did he do? He bounced back with 25 goals, and then this last year he had 21. Again, you usually are able to put together that kind of um, work, that kind of result for a reason. And, And again, no question, Kyle Turris had a bad season. He'd say the very same thing, but I think you have to be a little hesitant to jump to conclusions and just say, hey, I know he was this for eight years, but he wasn't that for the last 18 months, so it's time to get rid of him. So, again, I, I wouldn't say that yet. Um, but without further ado, we did jump into, I guess, one Twitter question, but let's save the rest of them for the next segment um, and go in and answer more of your questions in the very next segment here on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment on this, the 36th episode of the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis of NashvillePredators.com. Josh Upton behind the controls, ready to roll into this holiday Memorial Day weekend. You got Hmm. any plans? I'm going home back to Pittsburgh for the weekend to do absolutely nothing. Right on. Well, a word for shopping. So we just had Mother's Day. We've got Father's Day coming up in June. Yes. No comment on whether that's an institutionalized holiday just to get you to buy things for your parents, but you should love them <laughs> and you should buy them things. And, and here's something you could buy your and father. And here's something you could buy your dad. So full season tickets for the Preds are sold out for this next season, but you can still get in on the fun with the nine-game mini plan presented by Dr. Pepper. You get to select up to four different plans that consist of three weekend holiday or premium games, five weekday games, and then one additional game. You can choose to go to a preseason game um, at Bridgestone Arena or a concert. So that, that's pretty cool. So you really get 10 for the price of nine. Um, this is the first time the Preds have had their mini plans out this early because, as you know, 
The schedule is expected to come out for the 1920 season, roughly about a, a month from today. It comes out right around the time of the NHL draft. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and get nine dates, I guess 10, planned with, yeah. with Dad. Bring him for as many as you like. Maybe he comes to two games, and maybe you go to the other eight events you know, <laughs> with someone else. Maybe you're like, here, Dad, and then when the games actually come, I, nah, can I have the tickets tonight? I, I don't want to speak to your relationship with your dad, so you know <laughs> that better than I do. Just go to nationalpredators.com slash nine game to be able to purchase that. Again, they're moving fast because it's been on sale for a little bit, so check that out. Here is something that two of our lucky listeners will not have to purchase. Ooh. Last week we had hashtag admirals as the secret word to enter to win a Ryan Ellis Milwaukee admirals bobblehead. And we've picked two of you because we have two Ryan Ellis bobbleheads to give away. So Terry, who, by the way, her handle is at fried okra queen, which is just <laughs> awesome. Terry's going to get one. And then Andrew Carmichael is also going to win a Ryan Ellis Milwaukee admirals bobblehead complete with gorgeous ginger beard. Yeah. And uh, I'll reach out. Yeah, you don't have to do much. Um, just, you know, celebrate for now, and then Brooks will reach out, and we'll coordinate <laughs> how you can get um, those bobbleheads. So let's get back into the Twitter questions. We only got into one before we spilled over into the fourth segment. Uh, Jay wants to know, what are the salary cap and player discussion rules for the off season? Can you spend past the cap and then comply later? Can you give free agents under the table, quote unquote, <laughs> gifts? This is much a guy like who, the NCAA. I was just going to say this is a guy who clearly works in a collegiate, a collegiate admissions office. <laughs> so, so the cap limit, we kind of touched on it a yeah. little bit with Pierre LeBrun. Um, so the the cap limit it'll probably go up to about eighty three million. We think yep, that'll should get announced shortly after the Stanley Cup final thereabouts. Um, yes, you can spend mm -hmm. above it in the summer if you would like to, and then comply later. There is always a roster deadline. Uh, leading up to the regular season where you've got to have your roster cut down, you've got to have your cap um, compliant before the regular season starts. So yes, you can do that if you choose to go over and then figure out how you're going to get down at a later date. There are certainly such things as signing bonuses, but I don't know about maybe buying people things and yeah. giving them cars to try to come. As we mentioned before, no state income tax. I think that's as much of a gift as anything in Nashville. Right. Well, the one that I would mention is teams like Toronto, for example. There are other ways that you can give a free agent more than maybe some other smaller market teams could. And that that's totally allowed. Like You could say, We've got 10 assistant coaches. That's okay. If you want to pay for 10 assistant coaches, great. If you want to say, look, our training room and our off-ice you know, workout and our video coach is better than anyone else's, you could do that. And, again, that's more official. It's on the books, your salary. You're paying these people. But that's it. You're right. You can't just say, oh, look, there's a new car in your driveway. How did that happen? <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, to your point about going over, I mean, it's usually like under 10%. This is not the NBA luxury tax where you yeah. can be like, well – we're 20 million over. Let's get going. You know, so uh, yes, you can go over, but it's more like just the finagling of making it happen. You wouldn't see a situation where the Preds spent $5 million over the cap and just like let it ride like that for yeah. a while. And so, I wouldn't think that's something that you'd want to do to begin with. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think no. that's a situation you want to put yourself in. Right. Because you have a very limited amount of time to get back under. So yeah. if you're $5 million over in that continued example, well, you got to get rid of someone who's making more than that very quickly. And that's just not a great way to run a business. David and Brian Poyle probably not planning on doing that. Yeah, Bryant wants to know about the coaching staff. Should they be kept, and what's the decision behind there? Um, 
first off, it, it would appear that the Predators are going to keep the same coaching staff that they have going to the next season. We've talked about this in a past episode. There rumors continue to swirl about the possibility, kind of like I was just talking about, of adding an additional coach. Um, and there's been rumors linking to them with someone in Toronto, maybe. <laughs> wow, I didn't know how that how, it just uh, comes all back around. Smart that example was there. But yeah, anyway, so, so DJ Smith, one of Toronto's assistants, was named head coach in Ottawa. Jim Hiller is the name that continues to come up mm-hmm. um, from the insiders. People like Pierre LeBron on Twitter is maybe a potential for the Predators. He's a power play specialist. Do the Predators maybe take a look at bringing someone like that in? I think it's certainly possible. We, As you mentioned before, yeah. maybe it's not a case of getting rid of anyone. It's a case of adding to that staff, having another voice potentially. So perhaps a, an avenue the Predators could choose to explore. Um, Dadley wants to know, do you know when renderings of the new video board will be released? So... We are pretty darn sure the Predators are getting a new scoreboard this season. Sean Henry has said it before, uh, getting something this summer. And we've we've seen some looks at it. Very, not a, a full-on, maybe two or three-minute video like teams uh, like the, the Blackhawks and the Flyers have released. But there are some renderings that we have seen. Yeah, well, I would say this. So it, the big date will be on ratifying and voting on this new lease on June the 20th. That's when things will get more official. I would just s- suspect, if I was taking a guess, that's when you could see something that's more official. I don't think before then are you going to see, here's what the scoreboard could look like. So I think that's a, a big step in yeah. the process. So maybe in the next month, yeah, you see some more stories some more footage some more upgrades to that uh megatron or i guess the scoreboard i guess it can i guess we can't call it the megatron anymore yeah, not the megatron not the jumbotron that's yeah apparent. yeah yeah anyways but we'll keep you posted on that seems like that sure. will happen yeah and we'll let you know as that progresses david wanted to know what happens to old player sticks and gear that they leave behind funny you should ask because the nashville predators used equipment <laughs> yeah. sale is usually where those garments end up mm-hmm. yeah and you'll be able to find from years i mean sometimes like a guy's gear won't sell and you'll be like there's a frankie bouillon hockey stick you know <laughs> you can find those um sometimes in the immediate future of course when the guy gets traded he'll take some of that with him like you know he wants the gear that he knows yeah. fits him that he can practice in and it's up to the, his new team's equipment staff to say oh those are the skates you like yeah. and that sort of thing um but yeah no i mean especially if it's a situation let's say guy just ordered you know new gear and then got traded again or moved on and only signed a one-year deal absolutely that gets left behind and you you as a fan oftentimes have the opportunity to purchase it yourself yeah and and at the smashville celebration by the way last weekend um i was hanging out in the locker room for a good bit of time which by the way um thanks to a lot of you who actually stopped and said you enjoyed the pod i certainly appreciate uh everyone stopping and saying something it was a pleasure to meet a lot of you there but some people were asking in the locker room like where's all the equipment well the guys all take their equipment home because they're of course all going to skate mm-hmm. at some point during the summer but yeah there is a lot of stuff that does get left behind and and that can sometimes end up in the used equipment sale and and our good friend hal gill radio color commentator here on 1025 the game for the predators actually just instagrammed a photo of a ton of old gear of his that he has yeah. so sometimes guys take it sometimes guys leave it but he had Bruins helmets and Flyers helmets and Penguins helmets and all these different gloves so from all funny. these teams that he's played for. So, yeah, I mean, he could have a used equipment sale out of his own garage, I, I assume, from what we saw earlier. There you go. Taylor wanted to know specifically Derek Brassard. Could he be an option in free agency? Now, that's a guy who went from the Penguins to the Panthers and then to the Avalanche just last season alone. Seems like he's dropped off a little bit as his career has progressed. For me, no. I I, I don't consider him much of an upgrade at a position. So, I would think not, although he will, in theory, you would expect have a lower um, price tag than some of these big names. But 
no, I, I don't really see that being much of an option. Jess wanted to know if Lawrence Filoni is the best video coach in the NHL. By the way, one, he's a ginger, so obviously. I was obviously. just going to say best hair in the league. I'm yeah. ready to stand by that. As Jess has known for a while, we have also known for a while. And our own program director, Ryan Porth, who's read one and read two. Have we ever figured out Red 1 and Red 2? Brent Peterson, I think, was the first one to call you and I Red 1 and Red 2. He often does not know which one of us is, so I don't think that you and I could decide. I volunteered to be Red 5, of course, a a Luke Skywalker New Hope reference for you guys out there, but we'll see. (laughs) Right over my head. We can sort that out. Well, as you said earlier, it is your podcast. If you want to be Red 1, I mean, go right ahead. (laughs) There you go. For Brooks Bratton, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at Brooks Bratton. For me, I'm at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Make sure that you're following at Preds NHL to see the best Preds content first. This has been another episode of the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 and on the game Nashville app. Go to nationalpreds.com slash podcast to listen to past episodes, to rate and subscribe. We're available on all your major podcast delivery services, including Apple Podcasts. Hope you guys have a really awesome weekend. Enjoy the start of the Stanley Cup final and hopefully some Preds going deep into the world championships. Happy Memorial Day, Smashville. Enjoy that strawberry salad.